What's up, everybody? This is Will Pruitt here to chat with y'all about TNA Impact. This is the January 19th show taped about a week and a half ago at the Laser Tag Arena in Orlando, Florida. And it was a pretty decent show. I've, I've got to say, it, uh, it was exciting. By the way, this is an all-access audio um, for the uh, ProWrestling.net podcast. So um, if you're listening on the uh, member side, thank you. And we always enjoy your support. If you're listening on the ma- non-member side, come on, guys, get on it. It is a, a great time of year to become a member of ProWrestling.net. And if you're wondering why... Look at what's coming up in about two weeks. You've got the Royal Rumble happening, and that show is going to, uh, of course, be newsworthy, always is, and you're going to get exclusive analysis of it, especially on the member side with audio reviews of that show from Jason Powell and Chris Shore when it happens, audio reviews of all of the major shows at, right after they happen, in fact, including TNA Impact, WWE SmackDown, and WWE Raw, and of course, you'll get the uh, .NET Weekly audio show with um, Jason Powell and Chris Shore, which always has a uh, crap ton of first-run news that uh, you're not going to get anywhere else. A lot of times it doesn't even make it onto the site. Jason's a well-connected guy, and he will uh, hook it up news-wise. And that's always fun to hear about around the Royal Rumble and, you know, of course, around TNA as well. Any time in TNA's history is interesting. I feel like it's that way with the second company all the time, though. With WCW, I feel like any WCW show I watch is historically something. And uh, I think TNA kind of shapes up the same way sometimes where you just go, wow, well, something was happening in the company at that point. Something big is going on. So, yeah, guys, it's a, it's a good time of year to be a .NET member with WrestleMania season coming up on us. And if you want to be a .NET member, go ahead and head on over to ProWrestling.net. On that right-hand side of the page, you're going to see... A little box, you know, talks about becoming a member. Click on that, register. It is $7.50 for one month of membership. One of the best deals in wrestling. I uh, I was a member before I became a writer for the side and was happy to uh, pay for the uh, monthly fee. But if you want to save a little bit of cash, if you, uh, you know, if you've got some leftover Christmas money or something like that and want to save some cash, go ahead and go with the annual option. It's... Uh, Gets you down to five fifty a month, so you save two bucks a month. You get ProWrestling.net for a full year off of that. It's it's a pretty big deal, or a pretty good deal, I should say. And of course, a big deal. And you're going to get the member exclusive shows, audio updates. You're going to get the ad free version of ProWrestling.net, which um is I think preferable for my for my taste. And you're also going to get the. Uh, First run news and access to the .NET members forum, where nine out of ten people in it are pretty cool. There's always that tenth, but you know that happens. Uh, really, we have a good group of guys in there, and um, it's very it's a friendly forum that isn't mean to new folk, which I always think is uh, it's a good thing. We are, however, mean to Chris Shore. Just kidding, Chris. Um, well, kind of. They are kind of mean to Chris Shore, actually. But we like Chris Shore. He's a good Southern gentleman with his Southern upbringing because he's better than us. But uh, going on now to the TNA Impact show from January 19th, and this one was good. I I actually enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, I thought that they did some decent work here as far as furthering things, going into Against All Odds and building up into that uh, London show. And they also... Had some good action, some good promos, a good mix of the two. It wasn't too action-heavy or too promo-heavy. I 
I really found that this was a solid episode of Impact. And we opened the show, as we usually open Impact, with a recap video. Talking about uh, Bobby Roode and getting out of his matches with Jeff Hardy. And then we had James Storm's music hit. And he came out to the ring and cut a promo that was really good. I... Jason Powell, in his uh, live coverage, thought it was a little bit rushed. I I thought it was just pitch perfect for where it was. I don't feel like he needs a ton of time all the time, and I'd rather see him take less. Just because there there's only, you know, he's a great promo, but there's only so much that a great promo can do. But, uh, so, uh, James Storm came to the ring, talked about beating Kurt Angle, said uh, Angle's a great wrestler, the best in the world, but on those occasions, on those nights, he's just a little bit better. And then he said Bobby Roode and started talking about uh, beating Bobby Roode. I felt like this part of the promo, for me, for, for my taste, it was a little disappointing. Because he didn't talk about losing the title to Bobby Roode. He didn't talk about never getting a fair rematch. And he didn't talk about the beer money tag team here. And I can maybe that's where Jason gets that it was rushed. But I just felt like um, Storm... There's so much history between Roode and Storm that you have a lot to go off of. And kind of not using it now makes me afraid that they're not going to use some of that at all. And that would be a huge mistake with uh, the history that they have together. Um, but he did talk about Rude screwing him out of the title and screwing Jeff Hardy out of the title, and with all that screwing, he must be paying a lot of child support. Great line. So, uh, then Bobby Rude came out, wearing a suit, title belt. Oh, hold on. Jeff Hardy, actually. So, Storm, uh, you know, was about to deliver a Sorry About Your Damn Lock line. He got to damn, and Jeff Hardy's music hit. Hardy came out and cut a nice little short, sweet... A little bit subdued promo, and I think that's a nice thing um, that Jeff Hardy can do well, is short and subdued. And he said he was screwed by Rude. And this is where that child support line came in. Then Bobby Rude's music hit. He came out, suit, title belt, off the chain, instrumental version. Does anyone else just picture, because it sounds like, you know, a violin in there. Does anyone else just picture a violinist playing that music in the back every time Bobby Rude comes out? Like, I don't feel like we get enough strings in wrestling music that doesn't belong to a Kane and the Undertaker. And I, 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 I love strings myself. But I just see in the back of my head a violinist like... Like this really emotional thing happening. Because you know how when you see someone playing a violin and they get super into it, it's like this emotional experience for them? Yeah. Um, I'm weird, guys. That's... That's something that, uh, if you've listened to my audios before, you, you know, I, I mentioned some weird things. So, yeah, um, Rude basically said that because no one won the Jeff Hardy versus James Storm, or Jeff Hardy versus uh, Robert Rude match, Storm's number one contendership doesn't matter, and Jeff Hardy doesn't get another shot. So Storm was like, or so Bobby Rude's just like, I don't have to fight either of you now. I'm that smart, people. So... Sting came out, and Sting um, cut a nice little promo. He was in a red and black Sting t-shirt that made, maybe just because I just uh, watched and did a podcast on War Games 98 with Wrestle, with uh, Jason Mann of Wrestle Perspective, of WrestleSpective, I can say it, um, of WrestleSpective, that'll be out later this week. Maybe because of that, I'm just thinking more about NWO Red and Black Sting from 98, but the red and black t-shirt just harkened back to that for me. 
Yeah, that was a bad era. That that was a really bad era to be Sting. But Sting said, uh, Rude is so good at finding loopholes. He said he's going to fix it, because tonight there's going to be a Storm versus Hardy match to determine the number one contender. So Rude and Sting kind of jog back and forth. Sting left the ring. Rude turned around and looked at Hardy and Storm with some concern. And Hardy and Storm shook hands, because they're frenzies. So I, I have a few things to say about this one. Number one, good segment, good promo work from all four guys involved. I thought Bobby Roode sounded the most comfortable he's sounded in a while, whether it's because he's actually dropping into the character at this point, or maybe he's just kind of, I, I don't know, maybe it was just because it was a shorter promo and he had Storm and Hardy out there to play off of. I, I think Roode playing off of Storm is a good idea because those guys did have such good chemistry. Um, as a tag team, I think they would have good chemistry as rivals. So... There's those things to take into account. I don't like the idea of Storm going up against Hardy. I don't like them being in a program together. I And I'll talk more about this later as we get to the main event. James Storm, as over as he is, and I, I don't think anyone can question that he's over, he's still an up-and-coming babyface. He's a guy you're building. He's a guy that you're really pouring a lot into. I don't think you put him up against Jeff Hardy, a guy who in 2009 was the most popular babyface in the world. Hands down, no one was more popular in wrestling than Jeff Hardy. John Cena couldn't hold a candle to him. You know, I, I, I would be willing to guess that merchandise sales back that up. I think we saw that in crowd reactions. I was at shows that both of them wrestled on in 2009, and I was astounded by um, the reactions for Hardy. So... I really believe that Jeff Hardy's a popular, you know, a really popular guy. He's a, he's someone that those people in the Impact Zone know well. You know, the tourists, they've heard of Jeff Hardy. The tourists haven't heard of James Storm. And I think when you put Hardy against Storm, you're putting Storm in a position where he cannot get the kind of babyface reaction that he should be getting at this point. You're, you're just not allowing it. So, you know, that's kind of my own little... Hey, you know, Jeff Hardy and James Storm, let's not get, you know, let's not put them in a program together. And if this is going the way that I believe it's going, which I'll get to later, I, I think it's an even bigger mistake. But putting them in a match together tonight, not a big fan of it. Then we saw highlights from earlier in the day after a commercial with uh, Angelina Love complaining about and challenging Eric Young. Love cut a really poor promo. And uh, talked about Eric Young putting his hands on her and said she wants a one-on-one -on -one match with him. I don't like man versus woman matches. It's just not something that I'm a fan of in wrestling. I don't care who the woman is. Karma, China, anyone. I don't want to see it. I, I don't think that it's... I don't think that it works. And, um, you know, I knew watching this it would be another chance for some Eric Young comedy. And, you know, maybe you like Eric Young comedy. Maybe you don't. I think it's a matter of taste. I think it's... You know, and not saying that anyone has bad taste, just particular comedy taste. I think this is his most tolerable comedy character, but I still think they're overdoing it just a tad with him. Then we had our first match of the night, which was Gunner versus AJ Styles. And in this match, it was okay. The commentators talked a lot about Ric Flair. And um, they even, they, they put over Ric Flair and referred to him as a Hall of Famer, which I thought was really entertaining considering the uh, WWE Hall of Fame stuff with Flair actually being announced for a WWE event, the Hall of Fame. And I, I was surprised to hear them be like, the Hall of Famer, Ric Flair. And even on the show, 
Flair was talking to Gunner at one point, put his hand on the side of his head, and you basically got a close-up of Ric Flair's WWE Hall of Fame ring. Guys, um, if you don't want him at the Hall of Fame or you don't want to put the other company over, maybe you shouldn't refer to that as the Hall of Fame. And I think TNA has been guilty of basically making the WWE Hall of Fame the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. They, they've referred to it. They've used those rings and angles. They've really put over the fact that when you're inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, you are a Hall of Famer, which I just find interesting. I mean, there's other wrestling Hall of Fames they could buy into. There's the uh, one that Meltzer runs, I know, that, yeah. And there's some others as well, and I, I think that um, there are definite things that TNA could have partnered with, definite Hall of Fames that they could have partnered with to reference and probably would have had, you know, Hogan and Flair are going to be in any Hall of Fame you talk about. That's, you know, that's just the way it is. I think that Hogan and Flair being in the WWE Hall of Fame means a lot to TNA, though. And they keep referencing it. And they've... TNA, I almost feel like, has done more to make the Hall of Fame, the, the WWE Hall of Fame, the official pro wrestling Hall of Fame than WWE has. Because TNA is this outside organization that will reference your Hall of Fame status and will show your ring and will do all of this stuff on TV. Even if the ring has a WWE logo on it, they don't mind. So that that I just found really interesting, and I wondered, why wouldn't... Let's, you know, uh, .NET Weekly yesterday, Jason Powell had a scoop that I'm not going to repeat here, but just as a tease for non-members, the, the, he gave us a little bit of information on the uh, Hall of Fame situation with Ric Flair. And, um, even if TNA, or let's say TNA, they have Flair under contract, all of that, they're not planning to let him appear. Then why do they reference him as a Hall of Fame? Why do they recognize WWE's Hall of Fame? And if they do, shouldn't they be chill with him appearing at it? I don't know. I'm, I might be being a little ridiculous here, but that's just my thoughts on it. But back to Styles versus Gunner. And Styles versus Gunner was... Really Ric Flair-centric. They talked about Flair, you know, having managed both men and how that really helps Gunner because Flair could tell him the way to get under Styles' skin and all that. They had an okay match. Um, Daniels and Kazarian came to ringside after about four minutes, and Daniels told Kazarian to do something. Flair got up and distracted the referee, and Kazarian hit Styles. Kazarian hung his head, and Daniels made him watch as Gunner pinned Styles. After the match, Gunner went for the Super Gunner DDT on the concrete. I, I've decided to call it the Super Gunner DB, DDT. I have no idea why. Um, but as Styles pushed him off, hopped the guardrail, and left. Oh, okay. That's that's cool. Kind of a weird segment. Um, Styles, or, Styles and Gunner didn't really look good in the match. I Oh, I shudder to think of what they actually have planned for Gunner, because I just don't think he's worth any of it. And, um... Then we saw backstage Magnus and Samoa Joe talking. Magnus was like, yeah, I'm ready for this match, man. I'm, I'm all sorts of ready. I'm ready like Freddy. I'm steady, ready, Freddy, jetty. Jetty, as in, you know, a jetty going out into the water. Anyways, um, but Magnus is ready. And then Crimson came up, and Crimson just comes off as so unlikable on TV, you guys. And I don't want him to. I really, I want to watch Crimson and be like, I like that guy. I'm a Crim, you know. But, or at least like, yeah, he's an honorable babyface. But Crimson backstage is just like, oh, you want to go now? You think you're ready for me? You want to go now, punk? 
I don't know why my Crimson impression also is a John Laurinaitis impression, but I'm not good at impressions, guys. So that set up our um, that set up our match that was coming up a little bit later. But first, we got a really nice segment backstage. That was Bully Ray and Sting talking, and Sting was upset at Bully Ray for interfering in the uh, World Title match last week, and Bully Ray was going, I haven't lost a match in a year. Uh, well, I think he has, right? Or, you know, he's like, in the year since I went singles, I have not lost a single match. I don't think that's true. But it was really funny to hear Bully Ray say it. I, I approved and uh, and appreciated Bully Ray just being like, I haven't lost a match in a year because I'm that good. And I, I really, uh, you know, I, I appreciated that. And Sting said, uh, you know, he's the boss, and he can make Ray do what he wants, and next time he wants to speak to him, make an appointment, and he said, oh, you're not going to like me when I make an appointment. I don't... Watch the segment. I, I It actually highlighted to me the fact that Sting has grown a lot as far as promos go. Watch his uh, stuff from 2009, the Main Event Mafia era, especially the promos he cut with Mick Foley going into their lockdown 2009 Main Event, where every other word was Mick, like, you Mick, you think you can beat Mick me, Mick? You Mick think I Mick cannot Mick you Mick? Like, that that was a Sting promo. And it was super awkward because he just said his name so much. And the stuff he did with Kurt Angle, all of that promo stuff, I, I just don't feel like it ever clicked for Sting. Then watch his stuff from the last year. Um, his Joker Sting act as much as I wasn't a huge fan of it. It really helped him as far as getting a, a little bit of charisma into his promos. And then... Watch from then on and watch, you know, even on this show, he cut a decent promo in front of the crowd at the beginning, and then this backstage segment really was entertaining as well. Then we had our second match of the night, and Crimson beat Magnus in one minute and five seconds. The announcers quickly re-brought up Crimson's undefeated streak. That's just an obstacle now. That No one cares that he's undefeated. No one... It's not like they sat there and went, you know, before the match or when it was announced online or whatever, ever said, hey, Magnus is after the streak. He's going to end Crimson's streak. So why why are you still talking about or running with the undefeated streak? I, if you want to put some heat on Magnus and Joe, have them end the streak. And, Mag- and then Crimson goes for revenge. Easy. Peasy. One, two, threesy. That, that's all it's got to be. But instead... Um, Crimson beat Magnus in a minute and five seconds, which I hated to see. Uh, I don't see... I really don't see money in Crimson. He's not good on the mic. He doesn't come off well as a character. He doesn't come off Major League at all. He's not a great wrestler. He's not even a good wrestler. He, watch his punches in the ring. Watch just his mechanic. I, I don't feel like Crimson has what it takes in the ring to be at the level that TNA is trying to have him be at. All, all of this combines to me... Just to say, Crimson's not good. I'm sorry, I I feel bad for the guy. I'm sure he's going to threaten to punch me again on his Twitter page if he hears this. But I, I do not feel like Crimson gets it done in the ring the way that TNA is pushing him to do. I don't feel like he has the ability to do it. Maybe, you know, you send him down to OVW for a little bit, he trains, he gets better, and he comes back and he proves me wrong. But... The whole package of Crimson is not working for me. Then after the match, also, 
Crimson last week saved money on his car insurance, so I think he could take that OVW pay cut. Um, after the match, we had Samoa Joe coming to the ring attacking Crimson. Joe and Magnus put the boots to Crimson. Matt Morgan made the save, but Joe got to uh, Morgan, and the uh, tag champs were laid out by Joe and Magnus. Magnus has some freaky weird, like, some freaky weird awesome charisma where I'm just like, dude, you're green. You're crimson green, in fact. Crimson, come on, that's funny. Um, I, I do think, by the way, that Crimson is the Christmas superstar with uh, the combination of red and green. I know I've made the joke before, but it's still funny to me. Um, hey, Crimson, it's Valentine. It's coming up on Valentine's Day. Time to put those Christmas decorations away, buddy. Uh, um, I cracked myself up. But I, I really feel like Magnus has this charisma. He has something about him. He's great on the mic. I, I feel like he's really improved in the ring. He's a guy that I think has shown steady improvement over his run in TNA. And pair, pairing him with Joe, again, I phenomenal pairing. I'm quite happy with it. Then we had Eric Young backstage um, talking with a female caterer who he says is training to be a Bellator fighter. Yep. And that went on a little bit longer than it should have. And then ODB came up and uh, said Young was going to feed her a hot dog. Sure. Um, Young talked about how he didn't want the match with Angelina Love and he doesn't fight women. His mama brought him up to not fight women. And ODB kind of said, what are the guys in the back going to think? What what are you going to do about that? And apparently that was enough to get Eric Young to agree to fight women. So, um, yeah. Then we had the video package of the night. And by that I mean we had a really bad video package. Um, It was a Garrett Bischoff training package. And honestly, if you watch this, think about it as a comedy piece, and it's going to be funny. Um, or, or I also kind of want to set it to other things, like the music and audio from it, just for fun. You, you have, you know, the kind of inspirational hard rock music that Garrett Bischoff seems to be, you know, and Garrett Bischoff overcoming things, and quotes from Eric Bischoff playing in the background, you'll never amount to anything. You're no son of mine. Like, I want to see uh, Garrett Bischoff maybe training to be a school bus driver. You know, Garrett Bischoff, school bus driver. You'll never achieve your dreams. Put your boots away. All of the stuff that Eric Bischoff was saying could be so funny in so many circumstances. Um, yeah, I, you guys know how I feel about Garrett Bischoff at this point. I don't think the push is working. I don't think that he's going to get over, and I think TNA is wasting a lot of time and a lot of money with him. Then we saw um, St- the same Madison Rain segment from last week, and Madison and Gail talking backstage. Gail said she would be there for Madison, but she wasn't. And in our third segment of the night, this is um, bottom, yeah, this is... Um, Bottom of the uh, first hour, slash top of the second, we had a knockouts cage match. Gail, or, um, Madison Rain versus Mickey James. This was an okay cage match. I, I thought that the women worked pretty hard. It was decent. I still, the TNA cage bothers me, mostly because of the holes that they have in it, the giant gaping holes in the corner. A, that the knockouts could fit through. And B, for the cameras to shoot through? Like, come on. But, ah, you don't need it. But, so the TNA cage kind of gets on my nerves. 
But I didn't, the thing I didn't like about this match, the, the negative to make, a knockouts cage match, a woman's cage match is a novelty. WWE doesn't do it. TNA should make every time the women are in the cage something really important. It should be something that I'm talking about for the next week. It should be a big moment because it's something that they offer that WWE does not. It's something that their women's division can support. WWE's does not. It's it's a unique form of action that you are not going to see anywhere else. I feel like in TNA, oftentimes, it's just, yep, woman's cage, let's go. Chop, chop, here we go. Woman's cage, woman's cage. Like, it, it doesn't matter all that much. And I feel like the women in this match, especially, you know, they, they could have worked hard enough to justify it mattering if they would have been motivated to, but TNA didn't seem to motivate them to. Yeah, and I also I don't feel like a cage match was really necessary for Rain versus James. They also made it sound like, oh, Mickey James was screwed out of the title at the pay-per-view. Mickey James used brass knuckles at the pay-per-view. I understand that, you know, the heel tried to first, but she wasn't really screwed out of the title. You... She lost. Yeah, just a little pet peeve. But the match was decent. I, I thought Mickey James and Madison Rae had a perfectly acceptable match. It, it was nice to see the women's match taken seriously. Just straight up, boom, there it is. I just did not feel like it needed this, uh, you know, that I, I didn't feel like the match needed the cage. You could have just as easily done this match and said Gail Kim is banned from ringside and not um, had to use the cage gimmick to uh, get it over. Then backstage we saw Mickey James celebrating with um, Velvet Sky and Tara. Mickey said she's not finished because she's going to bring uh, that uh, that that knockouts title back to hardcore country land or hardcore country town or something weird and stupid. Yeah, let, why is why is hardcore country her thing? I understand that she's a country singer, but it's not like TNA is promoting her album sales a whole lot. Why can't she just be? Ladies and gentlemen, TNA knockout, Mickey James. You know, the, you know, one of the best women's wrestlers in the world, Mickey James. Not, here's this girl in Daisy Dukes in a weird shirt, Mickey James, hardcore country. Yeah. Um, then we saw Jeff Hardy talking. He said, uh, the business is his life. The business and life are not fair. He said he would, what would be fair is fighting Rude in a no disqualification match, but um, he also talked about having to go through James Storm, and he said he knows his final encounter with Bobby Rude's going to be successful. Then we saw an Austin Aries um, video. It was like a pre-promo promo, and Austin Aries was really funny and really entertaining in this, going like, well, you know what? Uh, this is going to be great. I mean, even right now, ratings are going up because I'm on TV, and I'm just talking about what I'm going to talk about. I'm telling you right now what I'm going to talk about, and I'm talking about it and drawing ratings via talking about it. I thought it was a really nice, um, arrogant heel promo, and here's my thing. It was funny. It was comedy. I, I would definitely put it in the comedy column on a wrestling show, but it was the best kind of comedy on a wrestling show because it was comedy from a wrestler taking themselves too seriously. And not like Eric Young trying to lock up with everyone because he's demented. I mean, a wrestler taking themselves so seriously that they go, well, I'm funny. You know, uh, that it's funny how seriously he takes himself. That's that's what I'm talking about. Not a, 
you know, it's not Eric Young going, you know, oh, I'm going to lock up with everyone, her, her, her. It's Austin Aries going, I'm the best, I'm the best in the world, and this is why, and he explains it semi-comedically. I, I appreciated the segment. That All that to say that I thought it was a really, really nice promo from him. And then we saw um, an Austin Aries video package as well. I Again, they did a nice job here highlighting Aries as a, uh, as a, you know, quality guy. And then we had a promo that I thought was good too from Austin Aries. I, again, this was like a one, two, three punch to show Austin Aries as dominant and to show Austin Aries as important. And he, uh, was cutting that, uh, you know, normal heel promo, um, it was Aries kind of cutting that uh, normal heel promo of, I don't have any competition. I'm just going to retire with this title. I'm this. Which always means that someone is going to come out and say, No, sir. No, sir, you are not. And that person was Alex Shelley making his return. Uh, Alex Shelley had a kind of a long mohawk going that he had be- bleached blonde and it laid to the side a bit. And the rest of his hair was cut short. And... I thought that uh, Alex Shelley did a really nice job here. I, I've said since Aries debuted, the the thing you need now that you're building up a strong heel in the exhibition is a strong baby face to go against him. You build up a strong heel to get to that strong baby face that you build up against him. And I've believed for a long time that that strong baby face should be Alex Shelley. Uh, you know, especially when Chris Saban was hurt. And before Shelley got hurt, I thought that strong baby face is Alex Shelley. Shelley is a really good wrestler. You know, just to start with, Shelly is a really good wrestler who can do a lot of good with um, Austin Aries. He is also a uh, he's also a guy who can cut a decent promo and has a nice connection with the fans. I, you know, the the Motor City Machine Guns music and video hit, and the fans popped. And I think some of those were the regulars at the Impact Zone who have always liked the Motor City Machine Guns. So that all of that to say. Nice work here in this segment. I, I really enjoyed it. They, you know, um, Alex Shelley talked about Chris Saban being hurt in his promo and talked about how, you know, he got, he was hurt, then he returned and Saban got hurt, and then he went on to wrestle and got hurt again, and his plan was just to return with Chris Saban to uh, show that the tag division needed some machine guns. But then he saw Austin Aries out here and he called Chris Saban and said, Hey, do you care if I come back early? And Chris Saban said, go for it, buddy. I liked it. I liked the promo. I, you know, what more can you say? But I liked this promo. I thought that, uh, Shelly and Saban played off or um, Shelly and Aries played off of each other. Well, and they, uh, then Aries said, you know, you can't just come back and get a shot. You have to beat someone to get a shot. Pick any exhibition wrestler, pick one I've already beat. I don't care. And then uh, Austin Aries said, or um, Alex Shelley said, I'm going to do you one better. You pick who I'm going to face from the exhibition. And if I beat him, I get a shot at your title. And kind of ended the promo by saying, and I'm coming for your belt. So really nice, really nice promo segment. I liked that it was two exhibition guys getting a fair amount of promo time and doing well with it. I think when you get Austin Aries in that division, you get good promos, and that's something the exhibition has never been known for, but it's something they can be known for. I like that Alex Shelley is back. I, I thought they did a nice job of highlighting his return and making it look like a big deal on TV. So, then we had a ODB cutting a promo about Young versus Angelina Love, 
and getting attacked by Winter. Pulled out a pipe, hit ODB with it, removed her belt, and whipped ODB with it. And none of this was really that entertaining. Then we had ODB, or Eric Young defeating Angelina Love by disqualification. Um, basically, Young kept trying to lock up with people. Winter interfered. Winter and Angelina Love started beating up Eric Young. And then the match... You know, then ODB ran out. Match is over. Boom. Yep. Don't really care. And then we went backstage to James Storm, telling the camera guy he wants the TNA title and he's not going to let Jeff Hardy stand in his way. Um, he said he's sick and tired of talking about what he's going to do. He said he's going to show the world that he can be the champion of the company. Then the announcers hyped the main event. We came back from the commercial and um, Jeremy Borash handled the in-ring introductions after the uh, competitors had entered. And we had uh, Jeff Hardy and James Storm going to a no contest when Bully Ray and Robert Roode interfered. Roughed up, I believe, three referees and uh, started putting the boots to uh, James Storm and Jeff Hardy. So we got a no contest in the number one contender match. Um, I I think it was pretty predictable that... Bully Ray and Bobby Roode would interfere. Sting came out with the baseball bat, chased Bully Ray to the back, and, um, yeah, chased him to the back. Roode entered the ring, slammed the title belt on both Hardy and Storm, grabbed a mic and said that by the power invested in him, I don't know why they don't just say vested, he had to go with invested, um, as the most powerful champion in TNA history, he was declaring this match in no contest and still your TNA champion, Bobby Roode. Well, I don't... Uh, the title wasn't really on the line, Bobby. There was no doubt of that, that you were still champion. That would have been weird if you were in a match that the title wasn't on... If, you know, the title was on the line in a match that you weren't in, considering you are champion. Um, I, I thought that the match between Hardy and Storm was pretty solid. I think they held a little bit back, which is not a bad thing. I I think they, uh, you know, pulled back ever so slightly on what they were able to do in the ring because, hey, it's free TV. You want to save it? I think these guys um, may even be penciled in for a rivalry a little bit down the line. You know, a Bound for Glory main event I could see in their future. I I don't know that I would personally book that way, but if TNA wants to go babyface versus babyface on their biggest show of the year, that's where you do it. They are the two biggest baby faces in the company, and I think it's going to continue to be that way. So I'm fine with uh, them holding back a little bit because I, I do believe they have more to give. I, you know, like I said, I now it looks like we're building into a triple threat match, which is what I was scared of. I, I've been talking about it for a few weeks. I don't think you put Storm in this triple threat. One, it waters down Storm versus Root. It doesn't enhance it. It waters down Storm versus Rude, which I think is the money rivalry for the company. And I think you start gearing it up now, you know, against all odds. I think you blow off Rude and Hardy, have Hardy fail somehow. You have Storm versus Rude on whatever the heck your next pay-per-view is. I know it's not a Phil Collins special. Um, Victory Road, I think? I think it's Victory Road. But you have Rude versus Storm on Victory Road. And then Lockdown, your very next show, you have Rude versus Storm in that steel cage. And, I, you know, I believe you make that your uh, James Storm moment. But I, I, that's how I would book. That's that's how I believe the TNA should be booking this. You lead to lockdown. It's on the road. It's a big show. It's in the uh, Nashville Municipal Auditorium, actually, or arena, whatever. Um, I went to Slammiversary 2007 in that uh, space, and they drew an okay crowd. 
it wasn't big, so I'm curious to see what they do with Nashville again. I think that was the last show that they had in that space, and it, it was far bigger. WWF used to run it, or WWE slash F used to run it. Um, I know they had an in-your-house show in 1995 there with a match between what what show had Shawn Michaels versus Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental title. I don't know, but it was some sort of in-your-house show. But, you know, it, it's not a huge building. And they sold not even half of it, so I'm curious to see what they do going back um, for lockdown. But it's, I really don't feel like Against All Odds needs a triple threat. I think that you're, yeah, it'll be a little bit tired with uh, Hardy versus Rude, but, you know, you give it a notice qualification stipulation and you have Hardy basically have it won. But Storm still pulls it out using the no DQ stipulation in his favor. You let him have a bit of a wild brawl. Maybe you uh, let Hardy or Storm or uh, uh, Hardy or Rude get some color. But the triple threat to me, it takes heat off of both feuds, and I don't think you want to take heat off of um, Rude versus Storm right now. I, I don't think you ever want to take heat off of Rude versus Storm. You, you that should be protected in this company, and I don't feel like it is being protected the way that it should be. So. That's me. I, I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not a guy who says never have a triple threat. That's not me. But I don't feel like a triple threat is really the best booking decision here as far as making money and enhancing feuds for money in the future. So, that's me. But I don't want to end this on a negative note. It was a good addition of Impact. It, it really was. Like I said earlier, it was balanced. You had your, oh, well, you know, it's a, it's a talking segment. And you had your talking segments, but most of them were good. You had some good in-ring action, and you had logical storylines moving forward. A nice addition of impact. It didn't feel like it was the uh, breakneck, crack-addict speed that we get from TNA sometimes. It, it felt a little more, um, you know, a little more well-paced, like maybe a Bruce Pritchard was in there going, no, let's slow it down. Let's slow it down. Let's tell these stories. Let's make sure people know what to focus on. And I feel like coming out of the show, I was able to focus on things. Um, one thing I have about a uh, complaint I have about TNA a lot. At the end of a show, normally I have to sit there and think back through the whole show and almost make a chart that's like, this was good, this was bad, to figure out how I felt about the show. Because every segment exists in a vacuum, and every segment is just so, you know, on to the next, on to the next, on to the next, no reflection. And I feel like on this show... Right after it was over, I was able to go, no, that was a good show, and these are the reasons why. These were bad. Yes, there was some bad, but the good outshined it. So major kudos to TNA on that one and on, um, you know, producing a nice episode of TV. It'll be interesting to see what next week's show is. I know it's um, another Impact Zone one, and it is the final of three shows that was taped in two days to make room for this whole, uh, um these overseas shows. I think they're taping two shows in uh, London. I don't know if they're doing one in Liverpool and one in London or what the um, plan is. I'm sure I could look it up, but I just don't care enough. But I really am excited for those shows. I, I think TNA is going to have a hot crowd. and you know They're always geared up to perform when they go overseas, and I'm very excited that we're going to get to see some overseas footage. I hope that they give us... I almost hope that they give us more of a well-wrestled show than a... Uh, Super storyline heavy show in front of that hot crowd, but that's me. Um, so, .NET membership, like uh, I talked about before, it's awesome. You should definitely sign up if you're not a member. If you are a member, of course, thank you for your support. If you are a .NET member, 
of course, this weekend, uh, you still got that Jason Powell Q&A coming up. Oh, by the way, Jason Powell and Chris Shore do uh, weekly solo audio shows. Um, Jason Powell does a Q&A for .NET members, and one of the coolest perks of that is that if you've got a question about something inside the wrestling industry, Jason will take it to his sources. Ask it in Q&A. He'll talk to people. He'll try his best to find an answer for you. It's, you know, it's always a pretty cool thing that, you know, he will work hard to, uh, you know, help you out in that way. Um, and Chris does his new audio slant show that is about a month old. And it's actually a really nice listen every week. I, Chris and I don't always agree on everything, but um, Chris states his opinions well. I feel like I state mine well. So we, uh, when Chris and I do get together, it's always a good time. But um, Chris does a solo audio slant show that is always worth a listen and always a pretty fun show as well. So lots of audio on the .NET member side, plus ad-free access to the site, access to the .NET members forum, and, you know, just uh, that general perk of being a .NET member and getting that first run, first look at some of the, some exclusive big news that happens in the wrestling industry. So, um, become a .NET member, listen to these audio reviews on a weekly basis, listen to all of the other audio we have, and if you are a member, like I said, thank you for your support. Um, for ProWrestling.net, this is Will Pruitt, and I'm signing off.